I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Howdy and welcome to Wikishuffle episode 67. I'm Jack. I'm joined as always by Chris. Hello. He's eating a wrap of some kind. Yeah, it's a wrap. Hold on. It's not a wrap. We say that at the end. Oh, yeah. That witty individual is Phil Sharman. Hello. And joining us again, just like last week, it's Keith Clark. Hello again. Cross-stitcher of the stars. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I've been called much worse. <laughs> so, um, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, bonus episode, go back and listen to that because it was very humiliating for me. <laughs> and Chris got a present. It worked out fine. Yeah, that's just <laughs> worked out fine. <laughs> this week, more of the same. Keith has another three articles for us to discuss. Let's dive in, I think, unless is there anything we haven't covered that you wanted to talk about, Keith? Um, I mean, I've got another present for Chris. Yeah, I guess so. I thought he did really well in the last what episode. What is this? So yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Oh, awesome. Presents for me. Oh, oh. Very well-wrapped presents as well. It's a little Perry. Oh, my God. Thanks, <laughs> oh. thank you. I've got so many toys. Thank you. Thank you for well, the welcome. toys. It's okay. All right, I'm done. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Any more presents for Chris, or should we start the episode? Uh, hang on, I've got another present for Chris. <laughs> It just upsets me when they make fun of your toys. They do make fun of my toys a lot. Hey, yo, yo. Oh, yo, yo, yo. Chris, can you do, a, can you do any tricks on a yo, yo? I used to be able to do the sleeper one. Is that what it's called where it stays down? This is great audio content. <laughs> Chris does yo-yoing for the first time since he was 12, live. Ready? On Wiki Shuffle. Here he goes. And he's... It's not bad. Oh, there you go. Amazing. Oh, he can still do it. He's still got it, folks. And it's got a light on it. Yeah. Chris, you're quite good. Yeah, quite good. Uh, uh, talents. Talents. <sighs> well done. Thank well you. done. Right, should we do some wiki shuffles? <laughs> it's because Keith's never never met Chris before. No. So all of this is just information gleaned from the podcast. Yeah. And then it's good it's that your true character <laughs> yeah, you comes kind of out it. so clearly. <laughs> yeah. They can say with absolute confidence that you were going to love those presents as yeah. there is genuine glee in your little mm. eyes, which it's, it's heartwarming. <laughs> So what were you thinking here then, Keith? Talk us through your second article. It's really funny. <laughs> Although, no, um, it's been one of my favourite Wikipedia articles for, well, years. It's just, the title of it makes me laugh every time. It's, it's almost like a Reeves and Mortimer sketch yeah. idea, like the, the title of this Wikipedia article. In fact, it's so funny that two of our listeners tweeted us with it this, this week. Can you please confirm that um, I got in there first? About a week before, there so you yeah, you're clear. But thanks to uh, Matt Latham and Nick Gunn for getting in touch and, and sending us that and ruining this episode. Thanks, guys. Yes, yeah, spoilers. I love this for the reason that I love some of the articles that we do. You just know that this would never appear in any sort of conventional encyclopedia. This isn't what it, encyclopedias were traditionally for. No. This is something that, thankfully, by having no That's size limitation on Wikipedia... Wikipedia exposes the flaws in the original encyclopedias... <laughs> that, that's not it for leaving out some of the more interesting and varied articles like cats that have jobs <laughs> elephants that have like volunteer work we've done that before <laughs> if you remember yeah. we covered that so, so this article is called Phil a list of animals with fraudulent diplomas I feel like um Chris is going to appreciate this one because there's a link here with the hippocampus. There is a strong link here. Although in the hippocampus, there are no fraudulent diplomas. <laughs> all These the are diplomas all are legitimate <laughs> diplomas handed out on the graduation day. This list of animals with fraudulent diplomas includes non-human animals who have been submitted as applicants to suspected diploma mills. On occasion, they have been admitted and granted a degree as reported in reliable sources. Animals are often used as a device to clearly demonstrate the lack standard 
standards of the awarding institutions. Rude. In one case, a cat's degree helped lead to a successful fraud prosecution against the institution that had issued it. Why was it a lawyer? Yes, the cat was a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> so we'll start off with cats. Colby Nolan. Colby Nolan is a house cat who was awarded an MBA in 2004 by Trinity Southern University, a Dallas-based diploma mill, sparking a fraud lawsuit by the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office. On what basis? You're very much on the side of the cat here, aren't you? <laughs> well, if someone took your degree away from you, you'd like to know why. Chris, um, how many degrees does this cat have? I don't know, you just said the one. Just the one. And how many degrees do you have? <laughs> None. Okay. I'm not trying to prove anything. I don't have one either. Yeah. You know, I just thought it was pertinent. I think you're discriminating just because it's a cat. I'm not taking the piss let's, out of a cat. I'm taking more. the piss out of you. Colby Nolan lives with a Deputy Attorney General. In looking to expose Trinity Southern University for fraud, some undercover agents had the then six-year-old Colby Nolan obtain a bachelor's degree in business administration for $299. On the cat's application, the agents claimed that the cat had previously taken courses at a community college, worked <laughs> at a fast food restaurant, babysat, and maintained a newspaper route. Then the school... On, if any animal's going to be good at a newspaper, Route, it's going to be a dog. No, it's going to be a cat because cats always have a specific pattern that they go around every day. It's technically a newspaper route, but they don't drop off. <laughs> <laughs> By no definition is it a newspaper route. Well, all we've got to do is introduce a newspaper, which this cat it's has just in a... ingenuity. At the moment, it's do. just a route. <laughs> yeah, but all it takes is to put a newspaper on it. That's just well... one newspaper. <laughs> put a car. It's easily done. Baby sat. Baby sat makes sense because you can you could have a cat in the same room as a baby as long as it's like a bit older because if it's too young it might sit on them and I think that's happened before and it's really tragic so <laughs> so so far hard working cat what about works at a fast food restaurant <laughs> well to be honest this is a bit of a step up because they do it around bins <laughs> so it's not hygienic but I don't know I don't know enough about the cat to make that judgement I do it's a cat. It didn't work at a fast food restaurant. Nor have you did seen, it do any babysitting. Have you seen right, okay. Have you seen a cat outside of McDonald's? Yes. Right, okay. The other day. Did you ask it if it was an employee or did you just assume because it it's a wasn't, cat? It wasn't wearing the uniform. Well, because cats don't have to wear uniforms. I think they do. If they're going to work in the no, kitchen, everyone has to wear, they have to wear a hairnet. They would just yeah. be in a net. <laughs> there could be a cat in a net in a fucking McDonald's. This is not... <laughs> this is not... A thing. Right, well... we'll and it annoys me because we'll I, know, to disagree. I know that you don't believe this. We have 150th of you that believes that this might be true. <laughs> well, yeah. Babysat. I think that, that's legitimate. You can trust your cat to look after your child. <laughs> okay. Thanks right. for the parenting lesson. The newspaper we've covered because all you've got to do is put the cat on it and just the cat will do the rest. Yeah, we agreed that was viable. Yeah. Right. Let's give the cat the benefit of the doubt here and let's say... Not. <laughs> no, let's... Because the, the, the follow-on point is still valid. So yeah. we've said that this cat has done some babysitting all we've and worked in a so fast far, food restaurant. All we've learned so far is that the cat is hardworking, right? We haven't got to the degree. Well, the cat's put forward the $299 necessary to obtain... From its jobs. You say hardworking. The MBA. I, I've I've known people that work in fast food restaurants, babysit and do paper routes, and none of them are hardworking. Well, they're obviously not as good as this cat, and this cat is doing it with the disability of being short and got paws. <laughs> <laughs> You're insane. The school informed Colby that, due to the job experience listed on his application, he was eligible for an executive MBA for $100 more. Well done. The agents then sent for Colby's transcript, which claimed he had a GPA of 3.5. Don't know what that means. <laughs> Gross point <laughs> average. It's some sort of... Uh, it's the American way of testing, yeah. Grade point average, isn't it? Did, what did I say? Gross. Well, that's wrong. Ignore <laughs> what I said. You're gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. It is fairly true at the moment. I mean, you have got a pile of snotty tissue. Yeah. <laughs> <on the floor. laughs> Has Chris employed you to come on this podcast and discredit me and Phil? <laughs> it does seem and that way. Shower him with this. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Uh, just, I've been listening. I've listened to like sixty episodes of this podcast in two weeks. I'm going. I do like that, Chris. 
<laughs> See, some of my nice. points come across. <laughs> I think me and him would get on. Do you think that some of the things that I've said about animals? Yeah. I like it. It's just these two idiots. Jerry Puppert, Pennsylvania's Attorney General, filed a lawsuit against Trinity Southern University upon learning that the cat had received the degree. <laughs> In the lawsuit, Puppert told the diploma mill, which had used email spam to sell degrees, to provide restitution to anyone who had ordered a degree from them. The court also ordered the school's assets frozen. In March 2005, the Poes were assessed penalties of over $100,000 by the court and were ordered not to market or promote fraudulent, substandard degree programmes or to represent their university as being accredited or affiliated with legitimate universities. It was reported that the Poes were also associated with the Wesleyan International University and Prixo Southern University. Trinity Southern University's website has been offline since 2005. Invalid. No. This is, this is tragic because this cat paid the money, got the degree... Probably didn't even get his money back when it found out it was a scam. Did get the money back. Oh, the cat yeah, got the money the back. Point. Yeah. Oh, well, I probably didn't get the money back because it bought that cape and mortarboard for the ceremony. <laughs> probably didn't get his money back for that. Yeah, it didn't cost very much, though, because they were really small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but still, there's nothing there that says the cat didn't deserve it. Just that the company that was giving them out was, was a scam. Uh, am I wrong? George the Cat. In 2009, George, a cat owned by Chris Jackson, presenter of the BBC show Inside Out, was registered with three professional organisations, the British Board of Neurolinguistic Programming, the United Fellowship of Hypnotherapists, and the Professional Hypnotherapy Practitioner Association, securing George's accreditation as a hypnotherapist. Well, cats are a bit, like, they have got a reputation for having, like, cat eyes creepy. They do have cat eyes, I can't <laughs> deny that part. <laughs> reputation they do have that and they, they you know i can see them having quite intense eyes mm -hmm. which is all part of hypnotism reach for the stars george <laughs> henrietta ben goldacre the brilliant ben goldacre mm -hmm. i bloody love ben goldacre uh, ben goldacre a uk-based physician and science journalist wrote in 2004 that his cat henrietta had obtained a diploma in nutrition from the american association of nutritional oh, consultants chris is shaking his head now this one is bullshit because <laughs> cats have terrible nutrition my cat <laughs> eats frogs <laughs> <laughs> the frenchy frogs there's no way that... Hypno, hypnotism, fine, I'll go with that. But How's your cat's libido? Because I think there's a lot of protein in frogs. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> she has lost her bits now. Definitely not nutrition. This one is This is false. So Henrietta has obtained a diploma in nutrition from the American Association of Nutritional Consultants. Goldacre had been investigating allegations about the qualifications claimed by Gillian McKeith. Goldacre said, It's a particular honour since dear sweet little Hetty died about a year ago. Probably because of nutrition. So Henrietta, that was a posthumous degree there that, that she was awarded. Well, she shouldn't have been awarded that. I'm against that one. Just in case you were thinking that, oh, he's an animal. Chris is obviously going to believe it. I don't believe all of them. Some of them... Oh, liars and cheats. Oreo Collins. Naming cats is fun, isn't it? It is. What's your cat called? Just Ollie. I didn't, I didn't give it a surname or anything. He's not smart enough to get like a degree, so it's just a cat. Some of them are just cats. Some of them are just cats. <laughs> yeah, some of them are special. How, what percentage of cats are special? I'd say 20% are gifted. <laughs> the rest of them are just cats. That's not nothing against them. But there are 20% of the cat population, I would say, that have special talents. Such so as? Hypnotherapy. Um, paper delivery. Paper delivery. Babysitting. Babysitting. <laughs> Fast food working. Parkour. <laughs> a lot of them are good at parkour. Yeah, that's a pretty good cat. I haven't seen a gymnast on here yet. How many gifted cats have you met? Well, actually, saying that my, my cat, it might be gifted. I haven't, I don't think I've In what field? Fishing. There was, a, this was a couple of years ago now, there was... A house that lived behind my house. Sorry, the house, the house, house lived, behind, lived your house. behind your house. <laughs> that house yeah. lived there, my house lives there. Um, <laughs> anyway, my cat left my house to go to some other person's house, because that's what cats do. And they have a big pond, but it had some quite expensive koi carp in it, which they left uncovered, which was their own fault. My cat seized an opportunity, swiped up this koi carp, mm -hmm. and brought it back in. It's a big carp. She got that by herself with no no like help. She didn't have any other mates or a rod or anything. To be honest with you, it was it was probably quite expensive. So I was disappointed in her, but a little bit proud. A bit like that time if you like if your dad accidentally found a condom wrapper when you were a teenager, you think, <laughs> well, he shouldn't be in the house, but oh, good on him. <laughs> <laughs> good on him for being safe or getting his end away. Both. <laughs> Oreo Collins, born around 2007, is a tuxedo cat 
Anyone know what Tuxedo Cat is? Do they work in casinos? <laughs> no. No, they're spies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, a Tuxedo Cat is probably a cat. It's a black cat, but the patterns on it make it look like it's got a tuxedo on it. You're exactly right. Anyway, Oreo Collins gained notoriety when she received a diploma from Jefferson High School online in 2009. The Sting was an investigation operation by the Better Business Bureau of Central Georgia, headed by Kelvin Collins, Oreo's owner. Zoe D. Katz... And actually called Dr. Zoe D. Katz. Yeah. <laughs> Zoe the Cat, in German, was a house cat owned by Steve K.D. Eichel. Around 2001, Eichel was able to obtain several well-known hypnotherapy certifications for his cat. The ease with which Dr. Katz obtained these credentials became the subject of an article by the American Bar Association and a news report by CBS News. The certification of Dr. Katz had been cited in several books and articles on credentialing scams. Eichel also served as the consultants to the BBC investigation that ultimately led to the certification of George the Cat by various UK hypnosis associations. The second hypnotic cat. Well, as you can see, patterns, they arise. I also, um, when I first read that back, I thought it was called Zoe Decats. I thought I sure... I thought the Dr. Cat also served as the consultant to the BBC investigation. (laughs) (laughs) So now we move on to dogs. I'm not as strong on my knowledge of dogs. It's not my strong, my strong subject. Well, we'll bear that in mind because your knowledge on cats is so strong that yeah. you could still have very good knowledge of dogs and it still not be as yeah. good as your knowledge yeah. of cats. So that's fair enough. That's all. I just want to put it out there because I want to be honest with everybody. Mm. I feel like it's not going to stop you from voicing an opinion, though. Of course, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Lulu. In 2010, Mark Howard, a member of the legal team for the claimants of B-Sky B in B-Sky B Limited and Anor versus HP Enterprise <laughs> Services UK Limited and Anor 2010 <laughs> obtained a degree for his dog Lulu from Concordia College in the US Virgin Islands. Lulu graduated with higher marks than the defendant's wow. key witness who lied that he had attended classes for the Concordia MBA. In the legal community, the story of the witness's MBA is described as infamous and the supervisory management cautionary tale. Any thoughts, Chris? Um, I'm impressed that Lulu graduated with higher marks than the defendant's key witness. <laughs> Although it turned out that he lied about attending classes. So Whereas Lulu actually did Lulu go did, to did, all did, the, did did the work. Did all the coursework. Yeah. And therefore deserves the higher yeah. grade. Again, okay. though, it sounds like the legal community frowned upon it because he's a dog. <laughs> the American University of London offered Pete, a four-year-old male short-haired lurcher in Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, London, an MBA for £4,500 without requiring any coursework. Chris, you're a male short-haired lurcher. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> yeah. The BBC Current Affairs programme Newsnight reported in 2013 that the dog named Peter Smith on the faked CV for a management consultant was offered an MBA by the university's accreditation of previous experiential learning board based on his made-up work experience and a fictitious undergraduate degree just four days after applying for the course. So this dog didn't do any of the work? No, didn't do no. any of the course. This one is just a... Fraud. This is just fraud, yeah. yeah. Didn't do any of the coursework. Made-up work experience. We all know the cat put down on his full work experience. This one is fraudulent. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, Pete. Get out. Sonny. The May 30th, 2007 episode of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation comedy show The Chasers War on Everything documented host Chaz Licciardello applying online and obtaining a medical degree for his dog Sonny from the diploma mill Ashwood University. A medical degree. <laughs> well, this is. Whoa. This was how it first came up on this podcast, wasn't it? But yeah. Cats the dog the, could no, the smell cat, cancer. Cat yeah. smelled cancer. Sonny's work experience included significant proctology experience sniffing other dogs' bums. So he didn't even hide the fact that it was no. a dog in this case. Ashwood <laughs> University has since been listed as a non-accredited degree supplier in the states of Michigan, Oregon and Texas. But, not a lie. but can carry on doing it. It's not a lie. It's just maybe it shouldn't have been a human med- veterinary, maybe. Because all dogs do this. But if this one was like really good at it and was like, oh... You know what? How do you grade sniffing dogs' bums? Like, what would make someone really well, good? If, Sorry, some dog really some dog, good at well, it. Well, if one dog was really good at it, he'd go up to, and sniff the other dog's bum, and they would look at his owner and go, <laughs> <laughs> This one, he's got, like, dog cancer or something. Dog cancer? <laughs> cancer of the dog face. <laughs> 
Yeah. Dogs can smell bombs. Bombs and bums. <laughs> All day long. Bombs, bums, drugs. That's fair, but they're not a doctor. No, I'm not saying it could be a doctor. That's that's ridiculous. I'm saying with training, it could be a vet. <laughs> <laughs> In 2004, the Albany, New York television station WRGB ran a report for which reporter Peter Brancato applied to and received an associate degree from Almeida University on behalf of his dog, Wally. On the application, Brancato listed, plays with the kids every day, teaches them to interact better with each other, teaches them responsibilities like feeding the dog. <laughs> this self-interest. Almeida University granted Wally a life experience associate degree in childhood development. After the report aired, Almeida University protested that Brancato perjured himself by creating a false identity using a fabricated name and date of birth. Really, don't defend it. You, you've got there is no defensible position you can take here you shysters in a public statement an almeda university representative wrote he completed an application that included a background of the following eight years tutoring pre-k children curriculum design and development teaching coping skills and volunteer coaching in march 2008 wally was featured in a lake geneva wisconsin mayoral campaign political cartoon with a dialogue bubble reading i graduated with bill chesson referring to the candidate chess Almeida University bachelor's degree. Brilliant. <laughs> Chesson took the cartoon to the police who passed the defamation complaint to the district attorney's office, which six months later declined to prosecute. Bill. This dog, you know, you could say it's like an honorary thing because it probably is quite good with kids and, you know, teach kids about mm. stuff. Feeding the dog. Feeding it. Do- yeah, that's quite smart of the dog. Well, I figured Chris really enjoyed the list of animals with fraudulent diplomas, so I bought this one for Duke. I know he's a big wrestling fan, so I've gone with Heroes of Wrestling, the worst yeah. pay-per-view I've ever seen. Oh, you've seen it? Oh, it's on YouTube if anyone wants to go and check it out. Uh, I cannot recommend enough that you do not go and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> the Mississippi Gulf Coast, 30 years ago, was nearly blown off the map by Hurricane Camille. Since then, the Mississippi Gulf Coast has become one of America's premier resort destinations. And in just a short time, live from the jam-packed Casino Magic, a fury that could match that of Hurricane Camille just may erupt once again. For tonight, live, the mega event wrestling fans have been waiting for finally arrives. Legendary grudge matches will finally be settled in the Heroes of Wrestling. So this is a famous, because I think we know from the podcast that I don't know anything about wrestling. It's infamous infamous uh, yeah and it's got a huge controversy section and I know you love the controversy yeah. sections on the shuttle that's what we're um, talking about and Chris I know you're not a big wrestling fan mm-hmm. um, so if you get bored during this next bit no 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 you've not got press I got you a, I got you a colouring book <laughs> a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles colouring book and I got you some twistable crayons <laughs> what this so, is great. Oh. This is like Christmas. I'm getting cracking now. Yeah, so just you do your colouring. I'll pipe up. I'll pipe up if I, if I feel something's relevant. I'm going to be with... Did you go I'm shopping today? Or was it? <laughs> I've been buying these things for weeks. Chris will like that. You are right. Let's do Raph. I'm kind of tempted to just join Chris. If you two want to talk about wrestling, <laughs> just knock yourselves out. We're going to do. We're going to colour in some. So you guys do colour in. Me and Jack will play with the planes. <laughs> we'll mug off this whole podcast thing. I would be interested to know, as a percentage of the crayons made by the industrial processes of crayon factories in the world, what proportion actually get used for colouring anything in? Because they just get thrown away. You would be interested. This is the kind of fact that I would like to have a statistic. I'd like to have at my fingertips because they just get given away at. McDonald's and they get used up for like half a centimetre of them and then thrown away and so as a proportion I reckon it's like 1% of the crayons Looks made like the crayon analyst didn't do the crayon report well enough <laughs> they haven't no I'm waiting for that report to be filed heroes of wrestling heroes of wrestling Chris yeah. you're going to be alright with your colouring yeah 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 I'll, I'll pipe up I'll, what, what I'll, are you colouring now I'm colouring in Raphael I'm doing all the green bits first that's the hard bit, and I want to stay in the lines. I brought that colouring book as a joke. I thought that'd be a funny bit for the podcast, and he's actually just cracking on with the colouring. <laughs> so, Jack, do you know of Heroes of Wrestling? You know what? I don't. Ah. No, so um, that's showing up my lack of knowledge about such events. I, I know very little about anything other than WWF. 
and WWE. You're going to recognise the names in this pay-per-view. I mean, mm-hmm. th- this was a pay-per-view and they got together all the former legends of wrestling, threw them all together in a ring. Oh, the, well, they've, they've, they've mismarketed that story because they've called them heroes here. <laughs> so they've got that wrong. They've and got ev- the legends along for a heroes match. Schoolboy <laughs> era. And everything that you think would happen, putting a load of 50-year-old men in the ring together, did happen. Hey. Heroes of Wrestling was a professional wrestling pay-per-view event that took place on October the 10th, 1999 from the Casino Magic Hotel and Casino in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. The event featured stars from wrestling's past and was intended to be the first in a series of pay-per-views, but circumstances surrounding the event's buy rate and the performance of some of the participants in the matches, most notably Jake Roberts, precluded Mm -hmm. any future events. Well, if there's going to be some shenanigans, it's probably going to involve Jake Roberts. Jake the Snake. What have you done this time, Jake the Snake? Are you aware of Jake the Snake Roberts? I, I just did it, didn't I? I was showing off, showing off all That's over good. down there. I've heard of Jake the Snake. Do you colouring? <laughs> Playing off the resurgence in popularity of pro wrestling at the time, Foss Stone Productions president Bill Stone conceived of a series of events consisting of wrestling stars from the 1980s and early 90s. Stone booked the initial pay-per-view with the intent of having three more run on a quarterly basis if the initial target of 40,000 buys was reached. The event came up 11,000 buys short of the target, causing Stone to reconsider his original plan. So that doesn't sound like an absolute dud. So that he sold 30,000, 31, no, 29,000 tickets for this thing. That doesn't sound like the biggest flop in the world. No, that wasn't tickets. That's how many people uh, wanted yeah, to watch yeah, it. Yeah, but, but by, by pay-to-view things, that's still 29,000 people. That's uh, an income. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't smack of being an absolute failure straight out the gate. I'm guessing that's coming. <laughs> oh, I mean, yes, very much so. <laughs> in addition, the quality of the matches put on during the show were heavily criticised and ridiculed by the wrestling press. Wrestling Observer rated it the worst major wrestling event of 1999, with its editor Dave Meltzer giving a rating of absolute zero to a tag team match featuring Luke Williams and Butch Miller facing Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Evil foreigners, boo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone in that match was actually a foreigner. That's Luke oh, yeah, Williams true. and Butch yeah, Miller are yeah. the, the bushwhackers. They're Australians. They're, I remember if them. anything, we should they take did them more. They a lot. They did that a lot. <laughs> yeah. In I fact, they're rest- very I much... more about wrestling than I think. Yeah, I bet you remember the Iron Sheik as well. I, do, I bet I you've remember... seen him on Twitter. I've no, I'm aware of him more recently from yeah. certainly the, the Bugle making a big deal out of his Twitter account. Mm. Correct thing to do because it is mental. Mm-hmm. So talking of foreigners being bad guys in wrestling, did anyone hear about Butlins this week? I did read about Butlins this week. Butlins, all-star wrestling. Yeah, all-star wrestling had a show in Butlins yes. and they had a, a bad guy come out he was I forget his name but it was an Arabic name and he came out wearing a and waving an Islamic flag it's actually just the flag of Saudi Arabia they were the crowd were apparently encouraged to boo okay so so far so racist uh-huh but then his opponent comes out and he is called do you remember his name I think it was Jack Spitfire I was thinking something exactly Spitfire, Jack Spitfire Tony Spitfire yeah. something like Tony that Tony Spitfire yeah and he came out being he got the crowd chanting Ingerland Ingerland nice um, and then yeah there were there were signs up requesting that the crowd cheer Tony Spitfire <laughs> <laughs> and uh, boo Hassan Mohammed or whatever the guy's name was who won the match uh, Tony Spitfire oh right okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this is the first time anyone's ever complained about these things, but I imagine this has actually been going on That's quite a got while. It's got to be routine, hasn't mm. it? In fairness, WWE have done Much similarly worse. racist <laughs> things. Meltzer's colleague Brian Alvarez of Figure Four Weekly has repeatedly referred to this match as the worst he has ever seen and rated it minus more stars than there are in the universe. Good criticism there. Another match on the card that proved problematic was the singles contest between former horseman Tully Blanchard and Stan Lane of Midnight Express fame. The two did not seem to know what the finish of the match was supposed to be or did not communicate this properly with each other. Blanchard kicked out of what was supposed to be a finishing manoeuvre by Lane who celebrated his apparent victory not realising what happened. Now we get onto the controversy section. This is where the money is. The most memorable and controversial moment of the show involved what proved to be the last match of the evening. 
<laughs> Heroes of so not scheduled to be the last match of the evening. It wasn't. Heroes of Wrestling was supposed to feature a double main event with Jake Roberts scheduled to face Jim Neidhart in the first match while King Kong Bundy was to take on Yokozuna in the other match. Good card. Not bad. I'd, I'd pay to see that. Bring Yokozuna back for a, for a match. King Kong Bundy must be dead as well. I don't, I don't know. They're all dead. <laughs> they all die. King Kong Bundy's still alive. Wow, how what old is he? What is he doing now? I read it he's earlier. He's 58. What's his current job? Oh, I think he... Acting. Yeah, acting, that's it. No, oh, is he a comedian as well? No wrestler has ever so made no, Yeah, he's done a bit of stand-up before. comedy. He's been on a Norwegian TV show called Golden Goal, and he last starred in an independent film in 2011, and it was oh, well. called Fight the Panda Syndicate. One for Chris. There you go. Yeah. Crying fighting pandas. Before that match, though, well, Robert. That's some good colouring. I'm staying in the lines. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. It is good. Yeah, I've done different shades of brown for because I don't want Turtle Shell to be the same brown as his like wristbands. Yeah. yeah. So I'm doing like, shading on them. Very nice work. Thanks. Well done. We'll post a picture of this on our Twitter. We will indeed. On the show notes for this episode will be a picture of some of Chris's you know, colouring. I never had any of my artwork put on the fridge when I was a child. What? Do you have siblings? Did they have their artwork put on yeah, the fridge? Yeah, my sister got a picture put on the wall. Oh. Yours was just too rubbish. <laughs> too ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before King Kong Bundy got to take on Yokozuna, there was another match. Roberts was to cut... This is Jake the Snake Roberts, was to cut a promo in which he was supposed to taunt Neidhart. Roberts showed up to deliver the promo in a highly intoxicated state. As the interview progressed, Roberts became hostile towards the interviewer, Michael St. John, and struggled to finish his promo because he was so intoxicated his words were slurred. The interview became infamous not only for its unscripted nature, but for Roberts' only fully intelligible sentence, an attempted analogy about playing cards as the event was being held at a casino. Can we get Chris to oh, reenact yes, this, yes, please? Yes. You have to do an impression of Jake the Snake Roberts. Drunk. So just an impression of Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> Where's Jake the Snake from? America. You don't want to play cards with me because I'll cheat, okay? I cheat. You want to play 21? I got 22. You want to play blackjack? I got two of those too. You want to play aces and eights, baby? I got too many of those. <laughs> oh, well, very good. I think you could have um, a wrestling career. Yeah, that yeah. trash talk that you've got. You should go on there. tough enough and. Train. What would your wrestling name be? Uh, it was um, uh, Sweaty Pits. Sweaty Pits, yep, that was it. Juicy Pits. Juicy Pits, it was, yeah. Juicy Pits was better. You were supposed to imagine Sweaty Pits, but the Juicy Pits was in the name. It was very clever. That's a callback for long-time WikiShuffle listeners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a callback to our worst episode ever. <laughs> Which we talk about quite a lot. After the interview, Roberts walked into the ring with the snake he was going to use for that night's match. However, once he got into the ring, he put the snake down and walked back up the ramp for no apparent reason. <laughs> Roberts then reversed course and came back down the ramp, staggered around the ring to greet the fans and then grabbed a female fan and had her rub her hands across his chest. It's really, Whoa. you got to check that out. It's so awkward. It's horrible. <laughs> so how old is Jake the Snake Roberts at this point? At 1,000. Later during the match, Roberts pulled the snake out of the bag, stuck it in between his legs in a suggestive manner, and began stroking it as if he was masturbating. Chris, do you think that a snake could have a job as Jake the Snake Roberts' prop penis? Um... It has have to, to be one that was defanged. Just for his own safety and the safety of the audience. <laughs> Thank you. Continue recolouring. He does that a lot in this match. It's not just the one time he puts that snake between his legs and strokes it. He's going on all over the place, just walking around, <laughs> pointing it at people. It's, it's very uncomfortable viewing. <laughs> and in that case, then, the snake probably isn't going to... It shouldn't apply for the job. While he was doing this, the home audience instead saw wide shots of the crowd as the producers did not wish to show Robert's actions. He eventually collapsed collapsed in the middle of the ring with the snake draped over his body and tried to kiss it with his tongue. Oh. I, I think we could easily <coughs> remove the word tried from that sentence. He is, <laughs> he is licking that snake. Oh. In an effort to salvage the match, with Roberts in no condition to wrestle, the promoters announced on the fly that the match had been changed from a singles bout to a tag team match and sent out Bundy and Yokozuna to team with Neidhart and Roberts, respectively. Bundy pinned Roberts by hitting him with a splash after Roberts had staggered and fallen around the ring several times. Yokozuna then dragged the show's promoter into the ring for Roberts to hit him with his patented DDT, but Roberts was so drunk he did not pay his partner any mind. While Yokozuna took matters into 
his own hands by hitting a Samoan drop on the promoter. Roberts began to disrobe in the middle of the <laughs> ring and the producers cut the feed immediately thereafter. This is great. This is like Christmas. The show also suffered from changes to the advertised show. In addition to the announced main event, Bundy versus Yokozuna not occurring, Gordon Solly was advertised as the show's commentator but did not appear due to declining health. No announcement was made of the change before the show and Soli was never mentioned at all during the broadcast. Critics panned the performance of Soli's replacement, Randy Rosenblum, but he's got the perfect name for being an announcer. <laughs> How can he not be the best announcer in the world? His name is Randy Rosenblum. I think he sounds more like a colour person, co-commentator. Colour commentary is the one where like, you add flavour yeah. to right. the discussion and play-by-play is where you discuss what's going on. You in the weren't room. just being racist. Phew. <laughs> Rosenblum repeatedly made mistakes during the broadcast, including calling Luke and Butch Australians rather than New Zealanders. I literally did that... F- Five minutes ago. Yeah, I didn't correct you, so I take that. <laughs> and having to be repeatedly corrected on basic wrestling terminology by his broadcast partners, Dutch Mantel and Lou Albano, such as when he called a simple arm drag performed by Marty Gennetti a reverse slam takedown. <laughs> a particular source of criticism was Rosenblum's inability to identify a drop kick by its proper name, repeatedly calling it a flying kick or a flying leg kick. How embarrassing, Rosenblum, you idiot. And even once calling it a leg drop. Oh, it's a drop kick, obviously. <laughs> well, Phil, you just laughed at the reverse slam takedown, but you wouldn't have been able to identify no, either one of those things. I wouldn't. That oh, sounds... No. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch this. I would recommend watching it in chunks if you're going to do it. It's two and a half hours long, but it feels longer than WrestleMania. This also has on the on the card Greg the Hammer Valentine, mm-hmm. Abdullah the Butcher, One Man Gang, Jimmy Snooker, Bob Orton Jr. It is quite a big deal. It's, oh. it's a lot. It, I mean, when they say heroes of wrestling. Yeah. At one point, Two Cold Scorpio comes down to the ring with a replica WCW championship, despite never having won that belt. And it's not <laughs> referred to on screen at any point. He's just it's holding brilliant. it like a toy. How's your colouring? I have finished my Raph. Your Raph? Yeah, Raph, yeah. I've done... Different shades of green to do the shadows. Mm-hmm. It's actually really good. It is really good. Yeah. It's um, much better than I ever thought it would be. He's put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, that. so like here is the specific shading around what I imagine are quite strong thigh muscles that the Raph has because yeah. of all the jumping. I only had blue for like the fork things. Yeah. I'm saying that I could have used the grey, but I really wanted it to pop. Yep, <laughs> pop it does. <laughs> I also had to press really hard on the red because I made a bit of a mistake here. Where I got a bit carried away with the green and it crossed the lines. <laughs> so, but it's all right because the red's quite strong. So I was really heavy with it, but that helped as well with the popping mm. and identifying Raphael from the other turtles. <laughs> and how many drawings are there for you to colour in in that book? Oh, the pages aren't numbered. I'm going to say 400. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not 400. There's it's, possibly 100. It's a mega colouring book. Yeah, there's huge. loads in here. There's them together. There's one says it's Donatello saying this is going to be epic and that's at the start so that gives you a good indication of what's the problem. <laughs> right, so article the fourth. This is again in the same ilk as the list of fraudulent animals in that it's an article that would never be in any kind of encyclopedia. Good. And is of interest only to me. Um, <laughs> as opposed to that obscure 1999 wrestling event <laughs> definitely make it into Encarta no question and also at the end of this there's going to be a little quiz for you Phil yeah I just really want to hear your thoughts okay now I've been instructed to not read beyond the first section here because there's going to be a quiz for me to partake in at the end grunge speak yeah come on Phil grunge speak was a hoax created by Megan Jasper receptionist for sub pop records under pressure from a reporter for the New York Times who wanted to know if grunge fans had their own slang Jasper 25 at the time told the reporter a set of slang terms that she claimed were associated with the Seattle grunge scene. Brilliant. So you must have been around the right age for oh, grunge. I certainly was. I was a little bit young for your proper grunge stuff, but I, I was into Pearl Jam and Nirvana and the film Singles is still one of my favourite films of all time. And that's as quintessentially grunge as you can get, really. You're going to ace this quiz at the end. Mm. Am I? Because it seems like all of these things are made up. (laughs) Jasper, 25 at the time, told the reporter a set of slang terms that she claimed were associated with the Seattle grunge scene in the early 1990s, but which she had, in fact, invented on the spot. (laughs) 
The information given by Jasper appeared in the sidebar of a November the 15th, 1992 feature article of the New York Times. The sidebar titled, Lexicon of Grunge Breaking the Code, mistakenly said that Jasper was working for Caroline Records. In truth, there was no particular slang language used in Seattle grunge scene. Many had, in fact, resented the assumption by the Times that they even had a slang, as well as the claim that it was coming soon to a high school or mall near you. <laughs> Oh, how patronising. <laughs> oh. But they still do it today, don't they? You often see those articles in the paper about a slang that kids are using on the internet. Yeah. What yeah. these emojis mean. It's so painful. Yeah. But in fairness, most of that, like if you looked at one from five years ago, most of them are in common usage today. Yeah. I'm sure there would have been selfie and troll and... <laughs> lol. A lot of Probably lol words. would have been on there. Not yeah, 20 five years, years ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. Ruffle. <laughs> Please don't. What's ruffle mean? Rolling on the floor laughing. I know this. I am so down with this stuff now. Thomas Frank of The Baffler, a journal of cultural criticism, demonstrated that the list was a hoax. He revealed that Jasper had purposefully misled the Times as well as the British magazine Sky Magazine as a prank. Jasper had been sick of the attention that reporters were paying to people involved in the Seattle grunge scene and thus pulled the prank to get back at them for their relentless fascination. (laughs) Oh, that's so grunge. Oh, just leave me alone. Uh, don't want any sort of popularity or mainstream attention. God. <laughs> <laughs> your fake grunge voice sounds like your real sick voice. <laughs> Shortly after the release of the Baffler's story, some people in Seattle began selling and wearing T-shirts with the words Lame Stain and Harsh Realm printed in the same font as the famous banner of the Times. The words themselves never caught on as actual slang within the grunge scene, though score and dish are in use elsewhere. One of the terms, Harsh Realm, was used as the title of a science fiction comic book and a short-lived 1999 television series based on it and was used by characters in the Dirty Pair comics written and drawn by Adam Warren as part of their futuristic slang. The events of Jasper's prank would be documented in the 1996 film Hype, a documentary about the grunge scene of the early 90s. Just under this article is a list of the terms and their definitions... And I would very much enjoy hearing Chris read out the words and (laughs) Phil telling us what these words mean. Okay, I'm up for a challenge. You ready? Yeah. It's the entire reason I picked this article. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is the 90s. Bloated big bag of bloatation. A bloated big bag of bloatation. What would that mean? That is a long guitar solo. <laughs> sort of sort of extended middle eight where you'd really sort of go to town yeah. and it's not about the vocals, it's about bloating up the song with a big old bag of bloatation. Yeah. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't think it can be wrong because these terms are made up. No, You're well, wrong. They were okay. in the New York Times. Oh right, fair enough. I didn't and Sky re- magazine. Yep. <laughs> it actually means drunk. So I would say, Phil, you are a bloated big bag of bloatation this evening. Ah, I would say that as well, but not even in reference to this article. <laughs> I'll try and use this one in the sentence. Oh, I'm bound and hacked. Bound and hacked. <laughs> Again, man. Oh, bound and hacked. I hate being bound and hacked. It's, it's my life. My parents. Are you impoverished? Have you got no money? It's warm. I might have no money and be bound and hacked. Uh, <laughs> you're just depressed. No, I don't think you're going to get it. This is if you're just staying home on a Friday or Saturday night. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You should have known that one, because that is what you do on a Friday or Saturday night. I am perpetually bound and hagged. (laughs) This guy is such a cobnobbler. I was in the shops, and I saw him, and he was just a right cobnobbler. A cobnobbler. A liar. He's a dishonest man. And because I've given you it in a sentence, you have to be very specific about the word. Very, very specific. In that you have to say this word. Yes, that specific word, which is a common word you would say about a person. He's such a cobnobbler. He is a thief. He just means loser. Okay, this one. What else is that guy? He, he might be a cobnobbler, but he, he's also a dish. Oh, Ooh. he's a dish. So it's quite a handsome loser. Yeah. Hey, and points! And that one, I think, is still used. Because mm, you do yeah. say it's dishy. Mm-hmm. All right, this one. I need to, to get some fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get some in, fuzz. I'm in desperate need of fuzz. 
Oh, to fit in with it? everybody else. And it's right, so I nice. know this one. I know this one. Yep. It's an oversized stripy jumper. Oh! Why did I really get that right? Yeah. Heavy wool sweaters. Amazing. How did you get that? I just thought that's what everyone needed in the early 90s, <laughs> specifically red and black stripes. Well, it doesn't specify the colour, but I think we're going to give you the point. Hey! You know what? It's such a harsh realm today. Today... Say it in the uh, Seattle 1990s okay. accent, please. Ah, uh, just getting some of my Kurt Cobain. Oh, this is such a harsh realm, man. <laughs> Why is he Scottish? <laughs> it just came out. <laughs> harsh realm. <laughs> harsh realm. Why is he a pirate? <laughs> An Irish pirate. It's a harsh realm. It's a harsh realm. The humidity is very high. <laughs> it's really quite muggy out. Is that, is that what, what you're saying? That should be what it means. No, it just what? means bummer. No. Next. I've got to do some construction work. I need to find some kickers. That's pretty specific. It well, it's a pretty specific one, and you would have got it. I'm going to put on, you know. So these are just boots, then, yeah. presumably? Yeah. That's, there you go. Right. We weren't as enthusiastic about you getting one, right? I don't know how much construction work that um, you got where you, you Mud Honey were up to. <laughs> right. <laughs> lame stain. Lame stain! <laughs> Such a lame stain. That's just loser again. Mm, That's a bit more specific. You want more specific than loser? I would say it's a bit of a... It sounds worse, but I'd say it's a bit lower down than a loser. I, would, I wouldn't say... Jack was a cobnobbler, but I would say he was a lame stain. Oh, it's so just, a, just <laughs> a, a square. Yeah, uncool yeah, person. I've got, I've got a clue for this one. Which one is it? I'm doing some construction work with the Spice Girls. I've got to get some plaques. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing some construction work with the Spice Girls. I've got to get some plaques. Why would the Spice Girls need... They always need plaques. It was their thing. After girl power. Girl power plaques. Union Jack mini dress because <laughs> that seems a bit specific and it hadn't really been a thing by then. Uh, the the construction thing I was just referring to the kickers, which were shoes, right? So the plats, socks, platform shoes. Oh, was that a grunge thing? I don't remember. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> well, right. Later on this weekend, I am gonna go to the park, just swinging on the old flippity flop. Just gonna swing on the old flippy flop with my pals <laughs> down by the beach. Swinging on the old flippy flop. With that my board. sounds like something Phil would say. Yeah, <laughs> with my board, my sick board, doing an ollie. Swinging on the flippy flop. Swinging on the flippy flop on the boardwalk. <laughs> Man, swinging on the flippy flop. It's just hanging out. That's exactly. That's exactly. Right. Out. That's exactly. Yeah, that's just how it's phrased. Right, I'm not happy with the next one. Tom mm-hmm. Tom Club. Tom Tom Club. Club, like the band Tom Tom Club, who are definitely not oh. what this is. I th- is it a noun? Is it a verb? What? What's the use it in a sentence, please? Oh man, those they're such a Tom Tom Club. Ah, uh, sort of straight and square and uncool outsiders. Wow, yeah. you're good at this. Yeah, it's almost like he lived through this period. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one last one. And you would say this, like, before you go to see your favourite band. The Tom Tom Club. The Tom Tom Club. <laughs> or Sweaty Steve's rocking duo. Or Pixies. Or Knicky. Or Knicky. Or Knicky. Yep. And you really want to fit in, because you're wearing your fuzz. Go get your wax lax. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying whack slacks? Wax slacks. Or wax lacks? Wax slacks. Wax slacks. Wax slacks. So these That's wax slacks. Wax slacks. Wax slacks. Wax slacks. Whack on. Wax slacks. Slack off. <laughs> so this is your torn jeans. <laughs> He's read these. I, mean, I swear. No, I mean, just live, really you lived it, man. Yeah, I was there. They're not hippies either. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wish I had a prize to give you, but I gave all the toys to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode 67 or something like that. 67, bonus episode 67. Um, thank you very much to Keith for thank coming you on. Thank you, you very much for having me. You're holding that piece of paper as if you have something else to... You don't. No, Nothing no, more to no, embarrass that's us it. with. I've got no more presents for Chris. Thank you I'm for a... all the presents. <laughs> You're Hours very welcome, Chris. Because sometimes it gets really boring if they're doing like war and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something I can get through it. 
Yep, thanks, Keith, for the uh, humiliation. Very welcome. <laughs> and and yeah. for the beers. Thank you for the beers. I'm oh, sure, yes, did we mention the beers? Yes, on, I don't think we podcast. did, actually. No. No, but I've got a selection of London ales from the big city. Big town. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that. Big. Keith, one more chance to plug your Instagram. Instagram, KS Clark. There's got cross-stitching on it. Check it out. It's pretty good. You've got like a million followers as well. I have not a million Quite a lot. Significantly less than a million, significantly more than Wiki Shuffle. <laughs> wow. Uh, I've stopped even updating it because I can't be asked. It's too hard. Yeah, that'll, that'll help. That'll help. <laughs> Chris, where can we find you on the internet? Chris Wallace23 on Twitter and here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in my house and in my work. And on the road. <laughs> on the road. Oh, oh yeah, I drive road. now. Chris drives now. Yeah. Somehow they let me drive. Well done. Yeah. Chris, Chris, did they know? Seven, seven tests and ten years, and he's no, got there. four tests. It was not. Four tests. And two tests yeah. ten years ago, and then one test again, and then the one I passed now. No, mine is clean sheet. Clean you sheet. You can't brag about that. Yeah, it took you ten years. Yeah, well, yeah but there's a big gap in the middle, where I was just, like, messing around. <laughs> I, I am wishing you heartfelt congratulations. Thank you. Me too. Chris was telling us earlier that he, um, he only failed his test once. Um, Once at the beginning, and then and then two more times after that, <laughs> yeah. and then an additional fourth time. But other than that, the, no, the fourth time was the past. I failed it once. I failed it one time. I and just, then two subsequent times, <laughs> and then it passed. I distinctly remember you failing at least four times nope. back in the day. Definitely three fails and a pass. We'll report back on this because I'm going to see what our friends say. Yeah, and they will and see if they, they remember. Know. They will remember. Jack, so you drove Chris here this evening. You're going to let Chris drive you back home? Tonight? We can do that. In my car? Yeah. No way. <laughs> no, Chris, you're never driving my car. In fact, I'm probably never going to get in the passenger seat of yours. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. No. <laughs> Good. I'm not going to. Phil, where can we find you on the internet? On the Twitters, at P.E. Sharman. And you can find me on Instagram, at Duke Stevens, J-O-O-K-S-T-E-V-E-N-S. Uh, and on the Twitters, at Duke. And you can find Wikishuffle all over the place, wikishuffle.co.uk, you know where we are. What if people wanted to send you a postcard? Please send us a postcard. Um, we got a postcard from Keith, which is a picture of his face eating cake. Uh, it's not just that, though, is it? I'm also naked in a bathtub. Well, there is that detail. <laughs> Keith but... revealed earlier that he thinks that the postcard manufacturers um, cropped out a lot of the detail from, yeah. from that um, postcard, which oh, is really it's appreciated. I'm going to show you, when we're off the air. I'm going to show you the original photograph, and there's a lot more of my nipples on show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not nipples? a lot more. Just How many nipples do you have? Yeah, so we got a we got a postcard from Keith, and you can send us a postcard too at Wikishuffle HQ One B Headlands Kettering NN One Five Seven ER. Please do, and we will send you a postcard back. And if you want to help out the show because you think it's good, please leave us a review on iTunes. That helps more than anything. Even buying our tat on Redbubble. I thought it'd be really funny this evening if I turned up wearing those um, red bubble tight. Uh, sorry, the wiki shuffle tights that you mentioned. The leggings, like, the leggings. Yeah. episode one, and you've set the price at like fifteen hundred pounds. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> and as much money as I spent on all those presents, I was not spending fifteen hundred pounds on some leggings <laughs> for the best. I think the lowest we could set it down to was like thirty quid. Anyway, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I probably would have done thirty. Oh, that would have been worth it. We'll be back with our regular episode on Tuesday. Number 68. Oh, number 69 is going to be a hilarious riot, isn't it? Only if you're juvenile. Okay, we'll see you then. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.